What's the most real relationship advice you can give? It's fine to not always want to spend 100% of your time with your spouse. Not every moment of every day is going to be bliss, and sometimes it really takes some effort. I love my wife to bits, but there are some days when I would just like to do things by myself. It doesn't mean our relationship isn't great, but it can be really refreshing just to take a stroll around a shopping center, or go get some food alone or something. This 100%. My spouse goes to a weekly Pathfinder game. That's his alone time. I occasionally go to a punk show or have a beer with my friends. It can be even simpler. I will go read a book in the other room and get my alone time. He likes to cook, so he'll start up in the kitchen and I stay away while he listens to his music. Everyone needs alone time. Don't lose yourself as an individual in a relationship. Happened to me. Where were you 10 years ago? Ah, but would you have listened 10 years ago? I think it's so important to have your own social lives and circles, but I see so many couples who bring their partner to everything, to the point that they're basically a part of every social group that person is in. Where does that person then have an escape to? When can they go out with their friends without the other one feeling bad for not being invited? Keep your own circle. My partner and I have been friends for years, even before we were a couple, so we have the same friend group. I combat this by asking when he wants me to tag along to outings like shopping, and also we have pretty chill home life. Also, we're not attached at the hip at events, and I know when to step back and let him have one-on-one conversations. I try and let him know that it's okay for us to do our own thing and I won't be offended. Sometimes I worry that I'm too much and we're not getting enough alone time, but we communicate well and respect each other. So if it ever becomes an issue, it wouldn't be one for too long. Communication is key. Make sure you're talking to your partner and finding out what they need and telling them your needs too. Intimacy is way more important than people realize. Like I've told my wife, yeah, sure, there's lust involved, but there's also interest in making your partner feel good as well. If that interest isn't there, your partner might as well be an adult funtime toy for all they mean to you. This is where I think a lot of people miss the point. Everyone seems to automatically infer that it's physical intimacy that's important. Intimacy is emotional. It's meaningful and vulnerable sharing of one's inner self. It's not what you do in bed. That's not hard. Real intimacy is hard, and it's super fulfilling to be intimate with your partner. So important, and physical intimacy begets emotional intimacy. Physical intimacy is our biggest way of being there for each other. Everyone needs a hug. Everyone needs cuddles. Words can't always do what a good, genuinely loving hug can do. Go on holiday together. If you can agree on food, sleep soundly, compromise on activities, and do your own thing one of the days, and not get mad at each other, you stand a good chance of lasting a while. I love my boyfriend to bits and miss him a lot. We don't live together yet, but boy do I like sleeping in my own bed sometimes. Space is healthy. Just because you're in a relationship, it doesn't mean you have to live in each other's pockets. Given the sheer amount of friends that I've discovered I can't stand traveling with, Finding someone to meet this comment's criteria seems impossible. Oh dear. When you disagree, remember that you're on the same team. You're supposed to fight a problem, not the other person. This is such an awesome way of putting that concept. 1. Don't expect the other person to be able to read your mind. 2. Be a team, not opponents. 3. Everybody toots at some point. Number three has been a hard thing for me during my current relationship. My significant other has a colostomy bag after battling colon cancer, which has been a huge learning experience in itself. I'm all for being comfortable with the body and all of its weird, icky processes, and I'm usually quick to make that known. But knowing that he physically can't toot makes me way more reluctant to do it around him. Like, I don't want to be a show-off, you know? 
My husband blames his toots on the baby sometimes, and for some reason I think it's hilarious to imagine a seven-month-old making that kind of gas. I know I found the right person. It wasn't easy, though. Damn. Communication is the foundation upon which everything else is built. They say don't go to bed angry, not because anger does something while you're sleeping, but because it means you didn't communicate properly and you're giving up on trying. Be calm, actively listen, do not dismiss your partner's statements, assume good faith. It's you and me versus the problem, not me versus you. If something's bugging you, talk to your significant other about it. If you feel enraged about something, wait until you're well-fed, well-rested, with warm extremities before talking about it, but talk about it at the first opportunity, calmly, rationally, and honestly. Keep the discussion limited to that one narrow thing. If something's bugging your significant other, hear them out. Never think, well, I'm not bothered by that, so it's not a problem. Think, my significant other is bothered by this, and that's a problem. If you think the concern is unreasonable, frame the discussion as solving the problem of... Your significant other is being unhappy. The worst fights and arguments happen over trivial things because it's not the trivial thing that's actually causing the problem. It's probably a series of things or a general lack of satisfaction, and the toothpaste cap being left off is just the instigator of the fight. If you communicate often and openly, these things will not fester. They won't pile up, and you won't get into such fights. Your spouse isn't going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. There will be mistakes and misunderstandings. What really matters in a relationship is not being perfect, but how you handle the imperfections of yourself and your spouse in a respectful, reasonable way. Learning how to be bored together is important. You don't have to be on the go, doing stuff and planning stuff and being fun and exciting all the time. It's okay to just sit around and not do anything and not talk to each other. It's not unhealthy, I promise. This was one of the biggest things I learned when I moved in with my significant other and what I give as advice to couples just moving in. Especially when it's their first time living with a significant other, you have to learn how to be in the same room without actively hanging out together. When your whole relationship has been dates, it's hard to just be without feeling like you should be interacting. Getting comfortable just chilling there, doing your own thing, is a good thing. There's so much pressure to do stuff, especially in the age of social media. Other couples do stuff all the time, and everyone is looking for adventures. We must keep up with the carefully manufactured images of other people put out on Instagram. In reality, it's not necessary and can often be a serious source of stress. My husband has been playing Ark all day, and I've been on Reddit or playing The Sims. We watched a couple of episodes of Tenth Kingdom earlier, and that's all we've done together today. We're in the same room, but we're not doing the same things. This is not a bad thing. It's called being comfortable together. As someone who just started an official relationship, I got a glimpse of this when I went to visit my boyfriend's place about a week ago. I asked if I could try Overwatch on his PC, since I only have the console version, and he seemed happy to let me go ahead and do my own thing. He booted up Diablo on the couch, and I played a couple of matches. I asked him, Are you sure this is okay? I can totally get off and spend time with you. He replied, You're enjoying yourself, right? I'm totally cool just doing my own thing. Just because one of us visits doesn't mean we have to spend every minute together. It made sense when he put it like that, and actually depicts what I've heard about other relationships even when the couples aren't cohabiting. A relationship where I can just be okay playing Baldur's Gate for several hours at a time seems pretty damn good to me. That's the goal. It's interesting when people get confused by this. I always considered relationships to be autonomous. We should both be able to live our own lives, but us being together makes it better. At the same time, romantic relationships are just that. You should be dating your best friend. Your best friends sometimes do nothing with each other. My friend and I once got into a study room after class and did our homework for literally two hours with minimal talking. I looked at her around one in the afternoon and asked if she's hungry, and we grabbed lunch. It's kind of the same thing. 
You have to be honest with them, especially when it's hard to do. Me and my boyfriend get uncomfortably real with each other sometimes, and something we've both learned is to listen to criticism without getting defensive. And when giving criticism, we don't attack each other, no matter how angry or sad we are at each other. I've had him call me out for certain behaviors that nobody has ever called me out on, and I've done the same for him. We're both better people for it because when we get it all out on the table, we have no choice but to work on ourselves. There's a reason it's called the honeymoon phase, and eventually you won't have as much to talk about other than how the day went, or might not always feel those butterflies in your stomach when you think about them. That's when it becomes a test in the relationship, and you both have to work on it to make it work. You'll get into fights, but learn to get over them, or I doubt it will last. Resentment can kill feelings for someone. I wanted to add, I'm not a love or relationship expert by any means. I'm just going off things I've seen and gone through with my own husband. You trade butterflies for familiarity, excitement for comfort. I love the comfort stage. The butterflies are great and all, but being in a constant state of infatuation would get exhausting after a few years. It's so nice to do absolutely nothing with your person, or not see them for a day or two if you don't live together, and still be completely content with them. In an ideal relationship, the contributions are 60-40, where both partners are the ones trying to give 60%. My mom asked an elderly couple who'd been married for decades what their secret was. They said that they act as if being nice to each other is a competition. That's always stuck with me. I've been married for 28 years. When I was engaged, a dear lady, then in her 80s and still very much in love with her husband of 60 plus years, told me this. Just because he's your husband, don't think he requires less regard than your friends. Before you yell at him for something, anything, ask yourself if you would yell at your friend for the same thing. What she was trying to say is that being married, together, is not a free pass to stop being a decent human being. You're going to get annoyed by the socks on the floor, but is it an excuse to fly off the handle? Respect and common courtesy are my recommendation, and you don't need to keep score. There's no winner. I can't praise this enough. I see couples snap at each other all the time over the silliest stuff and wonder how it must feel to be constantly on guard like that. Just be nice to each other. If you can't stand to be nice to each other, I mean, call it a day, man. Life is too short. My husband and I have to check in on each other every once in a while. For some reason, it seems like I'm meaner to my husband when my family is around, and he's meaner to me when his family is around. We come up with a phrase that we whisper if we're in public, quit being a butthole. We use it to remind each other to be nice without having to justify ourselves at the moment. It really works because if he says it to me, I automatically check myself, even if I don't think I'm being mean. I love him and I never intend on coming off as a butthole. Listen to them, communicate with them, compromise sometimes, and frick them regularly. To elaborate on compromise, it doesn't always mean something we'll both enjoy. At times, it will very likely mean today we do something that my partner likes and that I sparingly tolerate, but tomorrow, that reverses. My ex refused to see that side of a compromise. I would see horror films with her, because to me, spending time with her was more important than avoiding seeing a horror film. If I wanted to see a film that she wouldn't like, asking her to see it with me was forcing her to do something that she didn't want, and was therefore unfair. And for the love of God, do not start dating a new person as a way to get out of a bad relationship. That is extremely unfair to the new person you entered into a relationship with. Guy here, this probably sounds simple, but here's what I've learned. Know yourself, where you're at in life. If you're in a crap storm, legal crap, money crap, substances and booze crap, legal crap, you're probably not ready for anything serious. Clean up your act first. Be honest, no matter how fricked up your crap is, if you want to move forward in a serious way, all the cards have got to be on the table. Take it slow, get to know each other, but in the end, no secrets. There is some crap that's nobody's business, but I'm not talking about that. 
know her, what she's been through, and what she wants out of life. You both need to be pretty much on board. You need to be heading for the same thing. Kids, buy a house, or gypsy life, doesn't matter. Keep an eye on things. You need to make sure she's doing okay, and let her know you're doing okay. Same with her to you. After that, it's just dodging stupid. Sometimes you have to spend years with crappy people to realize what you deserve. It was never a waste. You needed the experience to figure out what works best for you or what to avoid. You'll never forget your exes. They were there for a reason. Good to get something from the school of hard knocks on here. A lot of these is from people who seem to have been happily married or together for a long time. Sometimes you have to muddle your way through until it works. Relationships are work. They aren't always fun, you won't always be madly in love, and you can't put them on a shelf and ignore them. No, but you shouldn't shun the work. Too many of my friends are toxic in their relationships, ending them summarily just because any work is seen as too much. Or let relationships turn toxic because it's easier than maintaining healthy ones. Always be mindful and thoughtful to that person's love map. Like they might need a quick text every morning when you get to work letting them know that you're safe. It makes zero sense to you, but knowing it's something small and means the world to them, well, why the hell not? They might get stressed out, and you helping clean the house for when they finished work might mean more to them than someone else you've been with who wanted flowers to show love. Know what it is that your partner loves and make them feel loved too. And if it's just a text to say you love them and you're safe, it's a 10-second message to type. For frick's sake, that's so little time in the span of an entire day. Why not do it if you know that it makes them happy? A little off-topic, but I've found that prioritizing the relationship correctly helps a lot. My roommate is my best friend, but he's a roommate first, a co-worker second, and a friend third. We talk about finances and housework completely differently than we shoot the crap. This helps maintain efficient lines of communication regardless of what's going on. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. If they're mean, if they're vindictive, if they use you, if they show you that they don't really care about you, believe them. If they make you feel inadequate, on edge, scared, nervous, unworthy, or like a disappointment, believe them. If they're entitled, narcissistic, sociopathic, manipulative, or unfair, believe them. Life isn't a movie, and you can't fix people who don't want to be fixed. More often than not, they're just who they are. So take off the rose-colored glasses and stop thinking love will find a way. If it isn't working, change it. Don't spend your precious time lamenting over a person who wouldn't genuinely lament over you. This sounds bleak, I know, but relationships and love are supposed to be the most beautiful things in the universe. If your relationship is not improving your quality of life on the aggregate, you need to seriously reassess what you want in life, because you deserve better. You only get so much time to find people in your life that make it worth living. Don't get caught up on people who will make you wish you'd never lived it. Yes, you gotta make sure you're choosing them as advertised, not falling in love with their potential. Don't think your perspective is bleak at all. I think it's balanced and disillusioned. In related vernacular, choosing to believe who someone is is a great example of living life on life's terms. It's not always easy, but it gets you out of a lot of unnecessary wrestling matches. Probably not gonna get this right, but it hit me the hardest after spending five years in a toxic relationship. The idea that everyone in their lives is working toward creating a jigsaw, each part of their life, be it work, relationships, or hobbies, make up parts of that jigsaw. Everyone's is different, some people's careers make up the edges, the less important and interesting parts, some people's are their relationships. What's important is the center of the puzzle, that's what people are working towards, their life's goals. When you're in a relationship, your puzzles combine. You eventually start working towards a shared goal. You might make some compromises on what goes to the outer edges, but you should both be working toward the same center. 
Occasionally, it turns out that the centerpiece you were working towards with your significant other isn't what you thought it was. This sucks, believe me. It really freaking does, but there's nothing wrong with cutting your losses. If you're going for a different jigsaw and the pieces don't fit, you won't get a coherent picture. I hope I explained it right, and yes, it's been taken from Daniel Sloss. He puts it way better than I do, so I would recommend checking him out on Netflix. If you go into a marriage or long-term commitment with the impression that you'll be happy all the time and your life will only change for the better, you're absolutely wrong. Be realistic that there will be days where you won't be able to stand each other, your lives may absolutely hit rough patches and you will not agree on how or why that situation occurred or even how to get out of it and the like. Came here to say this, and when you have kids it tends to get even more difficult and adds even more fights and resentment. Life changes and so do relationships. The butterflies and weak knees only last so long and that's okay. It's not a bad thing, it's just different. Don't just look for the person who makes your heart race, look for someone who you can also see being best friends with. Because in the end, that's what you become, best friends. Friends fight, but best friends always, or usually, find a way to work through it together. Oh, and it's also my experience that having one shared hobby and one independent hobby helps too. My husband and I game together, but if I need a break from him or vice versa, I'll go read a book and he'll watch sports or whatever. A study of long-term relationships found that successful relationships have one major thing in common. The spouses are verbally supportive of each other's interests and thoughts. For example, if your spouse is very excited about Pokemon Go and wants to tell you all about the monsters that they caught that day, the supportive spouse would listen to them talk about it and be excited for what they're excited about, even if they don't know how the game's played or they think that it's stupid. The couple that's going to divorce, that other spouse would say, I don't care, that game is for kids, or be generally dismissive of the conversation and change topics. Support what they're excited about as much as you can, even if it's just listening with a smile on your face while you do a shopping list in your head. Without bypassing the obvious one, which is the importance of communication, my mother always told us how you say something is as important as what you're saying. From the tone to how a subject is approached or delivered can make the difference between opening a dialogue or having an argument. Another good one I've seen around Reddit, it's you, plural, versus the problem. If your significant other has a healthy relationship with their ex, especially when they have kids together, it's a good sign. Don't go to sleep angry is bullcrap, especially if you have little kids. If you and your partner are sniping at one another, disengage and get some sleep if it's possible. Most of the fights my husband and I ever had was because one or both of us were exhausted or hangry. But set a time to pick it back up, please. If my husband just says frick it and goes to bed during an argument, I'm angry. If he says, I need sleep, let's talk tomorrow after dinner, I'm much better. I need to know it's going to be resolved in a timely fashion, and we're both much more reasonable after sleep and cooling down. Choose them. It's not about winning an argument, making a point, having enough time, or giving enough gifts, any of that crap that makes your heart either sore or tremble in the moment. It's about choosing them, knowing them, learning them. Equally as crucial, they choose you back. It's about choosing this person to hold your hand through every moment of every day for the remainder of anything and everything you'll ever experience. Every decision you make has them as a factor. It's about respect and admiration and giving credit where it's due. It's about the truth, about trusting them with the truth, and trusting them to tell it. Choose them. Completely. Relationships are not there to fix you. If you aren't happy with yourself, the relationship won't make that a reality. When you want your partner to be fit, attractive, and dress well, don't forget that they want that as well. Want the best for the other person, not for yourself. That's why jealousy is poison. You want your significant other to look good, but only for you? 
Get a clue. Give them something to want in return. Be a success. Take care of yourself. Learn something every day. Don't waste your time. Be kind and demonstrate that daily. You get what you give. Do the dishes. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot, linked in the description too. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.